Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Ro, host of The Queen Pod. Queen have very kindly allowed us to use their wonderful music on this podcast, which is awesome. But the rest is up to us, darlings. Our goal is to provide you with an entertaining and informative companion piece to the entire Queen back catalogue. All of Queen, track by track. So, if you're in a position to offer us some support, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash queenpod and take a look at how to get involved. Thanks so much, and now sit back and enjoy while we rock you. Pod with my fine cohorts. Well, drink to the sound of the song parade. It's only comedian Suze Kumpner. Hello, Suze. How are you? Hi. Are you all right? I'm all right. Yes, <laughs> I stuff. am. Thank you. Lovely How are you? Stuff. I'm all right, you know, all things considered. I'm about all right. Yeah. Um, I've had my jab. I've had my first Good. little Pfizer jab. So that feels pretty hey. good to be honest, Suze. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Rocking Big component the immunity. Of the Pfizer jab. Yes, mate. His mama says he don't, his daddy says he won't. It's Queen Documentarian Simon Lupton. You know so much about my family life. Thank you very much. Hello. Yes, because I've been through your bin so many times. Um, okay. Uh, oh, hurry, put your troubles in a suitcase, because here comes comedian John Robbins. Hello to you. Hello, everyone. Hello, John. You well? Hi. Yeah, I'm good, thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. Lovely stuff, and everything's going to be sunny and bright, because it's me... Your host, Ro. Right, that's that bit done (laughs) smoothly and easily. Um, We are going to kick off, as we always do, uh, before we get into a day at the races with... (laughs) I know, it's very exciting. With Queen of the Champions. We are the champions. We are the champions. So, do any of us have have a little Queen moment we'd like to share this week? Someone shared a fun bit of Queen trivia with me on uh, Twitter. Have you? I don't know if you've ever seen the 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 Pink Floyd album or single that was released called "Obscured by Clouds." I think it's a single. Uh, so let me see if I hold it up to the screen and um, see if you can spot the error on the front cover of this Pink Floyd. 
album. Is that Queen? Yes. That's Brian May. Yeah, so on the the front cover of uh, Obscured by Clouds uh, is Queen. It's from um, a foreign (laughs) release. Uh, I don't know what... um, I don't know what country it's from, but uh, it oh, it's Turkish apparently. So the Turkish single <laughs> of Pink Floyd's "Obscured by Clouds" features the entirety of Queen on the front cover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get yeah. that. That is so That's precious. Wonderful. What a wonderful error! I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Well done, Turkish people. Uh, good for you. It's obviously a, a Queen fan at work there trying to sabotage absolutely everything, <laughs> which we love. We absolutely love. Um, uh, so uh, my queen moment, to be quite frank, um, uh, you guys uh, have um, genuinely responded to our request for Patreon. We're recording a couple of weeks ahead of release, so actually it's only for us in this period of time, um, this whole Patreon thing's just kicked off, and quite astonishing to us, and uh, with great happiness and joy. Um, some of you have jumped on and patronised us, which is wonderful. It's lovely to be patronised. And um, uh, uh, just uh, would love to encourage you listeners, if you are in a position to do so, nip along to patreon.com forward slash queenpod and see how you can get involved there. One of the things you get when you uh, when you join us is a little shout out on the pod. So I'll be doing a few of those through this episode. And then uh, in the future episodes, you'll be... Um, getting shout-outs as well. But this little batch, I'm going to give a big thank you to Julie J, Richard Alloway, Kerry Ahern, Rob Halloway, Kathy Gallagher, and Ben Hall. Thank you so much Aww. for joining us, guys. Thanks. Thank welcome you. one and welcome all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is lovely, lovely, lovely stuff to have you guys it's on like board. our own little mini royal family, isn't it? It's pretty yeah, nice. exactly. That's what we should call them. Yes. That's what they we should be should called. Call them. The yeah, royal yeah, family. Yeah. I think we've sort of got three levels. I think there's uh, Funster, uh, Champions and Bohemians, I think, or something. Is it Rhapsodies? I can't remember, but something like that. And, um, uh, yeah, if you're uh, if you're in, in either of the top two tiers there, we will say hello to you with much happiness and gratitude. So thank you so much for all your support. And also, your support in general, listeners. You're being wonderful. And uh, please do keep spreading that word. Uh, any which way you can about us the more people find out about us the better chance we have to keep going yeah. <laughs> which is great yes please Excellent. we want to get to hot space come on absolutely we do at least need to get to hot space <laughs> we oh want to do God. an entire series on hot space i think that, yeah the plan is we get to hot space and then uh, when we come to the miracle that's when we all fall out and there's a, a year-long gap between the miracle and innuendo <laughs> <laughs> so yeah hot space of the miracle queen's best two albums those are our targets um uh, that's exactly what john just said right so uh shall we just get cracking into the works all right yes we have reached A Day at the Races, which was released on the 10th of December 1976. We're looking at side A today. Uh, it was released on EMI in the UK, Electra in the US. Uh, it was recorded from July to November 1976 uh, at the Manor, Wessex Studios and Psalm Studios. It was produced 
uh, by Queen. It was the first album entirely self-produced by the band and engineered by Mike Stone. Would you like to hear what was in the official UK charts uh, the mm. week beginning the 19th of September, uh, December 1976? Yeah. Uh, oh, hang on, actually. I think it got to number one a couple of weeks later. So this is January the 2nd, 1977. At fifth place, we have Disco Rocket by various artists. That's an album I'm <laughs> tracking down. Rocket. Yeah, <laughs> various artists. At number four, Greatest Hits by Shawaddy Waddy. Hey. We're not messing around in 1977, Ooh. guys. Yeah. At number three, Arrival by ABBA. And at number two, 20 Golden Greats by Glen Campbell. And then finally at number one, A Day at the Races by Queen. Yes, sir. Ooh. It was also number one in Japan and the Netherlands and reached number five in the US. But I'm sure Simon has plenty of juicy context to give us for this, the release of this spectacular album. Well, you'd think, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually... Um, well, in our last instalment of the Queen story, um, we revealed that our, how our four legends had been faced with a real do-or-die moment. You know, a night at the opera had to be a big success or else financial ruin awaited. Um, now, as we now know, the boys absolutely smashed it with the album and its two singles, You're My Best Friend and a cute little ditty called Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. becoming ma- massive chart hits. Um, similarly, having separated from their restrictive management deal, the band were also starting to enjoy their success and probably experience being what a rock band should be. Um, so if 1975 had been a year of upheaval and high stakes, then 1976 was very much a year of consolidation and settling down, uh, which is perhaps reflected in the album we're about to listen to. Open for discussion. Mm. Um, all the band uh, around about this time moved from their rented houses and flats into properties of their own. Brian acquired a modest house in Barnes. Uh, John did the same in Putney, um, and he still lives in Putney, I believe, so uh, perhaps not in the same house, but still um, a Putney boy. Uh, Freddie found a flat for him and Mary in Kensington, and Roger much to the dismay of the rest of the band, acquired a country house in Surrey with acres of garden and woodland. Of course, fans would get a glimpse of this when the videos for We Will Rock You and Spread Your Wings were shot in his back garden, if you can call it that. (laughs) Um, That's not to say it was a quiet year. Far from it, with the band squeezing recording this album in between tours and promotional work. Now, it's fair to say that the relationship between Queen and the music press was, shall we say, strained, to say the least. Um... With the emergence of punk, Queen were easy targets and critics all too often fell into that curiously British trait of having seen something build into uh, something successful then taking great delight in trying to knock it down again. Um, For their part, the band were frustrated by what they regarded to be shallow and cheap tittle-tattle rather than considered an educated, educated assessment of their work. Now, this was a great shame because whenever the band did speak to the press, they were always interesting, intelligent, witty and honest. Freddie, in particular, had to be cajoled into doing interviews and tended to only do them with people he absolutely trusted. And when he did, it was always gold. And just before Christmas 1976, he agreed to join Kenny Everett on his radio (laughs) show to promote A Day at the Races. Now, for those dear listeners who are either too young or don't live in the UK and have no idea who Kenny Everett was, um, it's very hard to explain who Kenny Everett was. He was... Probably a genius, uh, a comedian who had a sketch show on TV, um, 
was was always brilliant on telly but was a reg was essentially a dj a radio dj he started off on pirate radio and then moved on to capital radio as well um absolutely hilarious um and a really good friend of uh, freddie's and indeed the whole band as we know he played bohemian rhapsody repeatedly over the weekend when he shouldn't have done which helped get it to number i'd one. say one thing about um, kenny everett for people who don't mm. know who he is is he was basically the the first person to do something unusual on a radio show really so he would edit together his own jingles and so before he would come into the studio he would sort of spend hours making these tapes of strange noises and sound effects and he would do silly Mm. voices so if anyone knows someone like Chris Morris um, Kenny Everett's a sort of a direct descendant of the early Chris Morris uh, London radio shows and the GWR shows that he did. So he's, it's, so like Americans might know kind of crazy shock jocks and stuff, but Kenny Everett was the first sort of DJ comedian who used the actual mechanics of a radio show to make funny features and sort of recurring segments and stuff like that. So he, I think he's he's much more influential as a as a DJ than he is as a as a comic, but he was both. Yeah, mm. no, absolutely, and um, it was a miracle he stayed on air as long as he did yeah. <laughs> because he was a the master of innuendo, and um, you know the things he said were would have been considered outrageous if the people listening uh, who were in charge of that sort of thing had the wit and the ability to recognise what <laughs> he was actually saying. Um, Wasn't that one of his I, little catchphrases in the? best possible taste or oh all like of that, that. Yeah. And, yeah 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 absolute genius uh, awesome. absolutely hilarious um and interestingly his tv show was directed by david mallet who um, ah. directed many uh queen videos mm. so there was always a connection there um but as a little early treat in today's pod um i thought you might like to hear a little bit of the interview that Paul oh, and yeah. Kenny Everett um recorded that is um, glorious and what I've, a treat I've picked out two bits and you will see why. Um, <laughs> the first bit um, relates directly to uh, what we were talking about, about how uh, Queen were now perhaps starting to enjoy the fruits of their labour. Right, back to the spiffingest LP ever released. Oh, what do you think of the new ELO? Oh, it's um, great. It's great, Good, isn't it? I've got a copy of that. And also the Eagles. They're the three musts for your Christmas stocking box. And this is me talking to Freddie Mercury of Queen, who is, uh, must be a millionaire by now. What, Freddie? Oh, in what way do you mean? Financially, no, mostly. <laughs> I mean, you keep buying these expensive paintings and things. Yes, because I, I like them. It's what I've been interested in for a long while, and um, now that I've got a little... A bit of money to throw around. I thought I might as well go and buy it. So I went to Sotheby's the other day and got a few paintings. <laughs> <laughs> the dealers weren't pleased at all. So <laughs> oh, giving them to a hairy. <laughs> Actually, um, you brought champagne with you, which is very good. But of course, dear. Yes. It travels with me everywhere. You made Gerald Harper look quite cheap. <laughs> Thank you for the out. <laughs> right, nice. The Millionaire Waltz, which is the next track on the LP. Yes. It's a bit gay and weird and strange. But it grows on you. That, yes, it's it's uh, very out of out of the sort of Queen format, really. And we always like to do that every album. And I think uh, I went a bit mad on this one, I know. But it's it's um, it's turned out all right, I think. You know, it sort of makes people laugh sometimes. It's very jolly. Yeah. Let's have a little listen. That's, That's great. Um, Genius, isn't it? But yeah. um, as you heard, Freddie had brought champagne with him. And 
when, when you listen to the whole interview, which I think stretches over a couple of hours, it's become clear that lots of the champagne has been consumed over the course of the recording, um, which I think becomes really apparent when you hear this next clip, which is towards the end of the, uh, of the interview. Thank you, my dear. And now here's Freddie with the weather. He just put it in my lap. I can't believe it. Weather for the capital area. So dry with long sunny periods, clean spells this evening, cold high, clear spells. Oh, yeah. clean. With your eyes. Look at it. It's, it. it's your writing. Clear spells. Clean spells, yes, sir. Clear spells this evening, cold high three or four centigrade. Oh, forget it. Wind light four to two or three. <laughs> well, this is the way you've written it. It's in code, my God. <laughs> two or three, mostly west to northwest, becoming south to southwest later. <laughs> Have you done? I'm sure everybody got that. Yeah, that's right. That does it. You wait till you come to the studio next time. Get your calculators out and work out the weather. <laughs> right. Here it is, folks. The climax of this LP. A day at the races. Waiting for a place in your Christmas stocking. There you go. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Who ever thought they'd hear Freddie Mercury reading the weather? <laughs> wow, what a treat! Where did, that's not readily available, Simon, is it? Anywhere? It, 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 you can find it on the uh, Queen on the old YouTube. Oh, on, right, okay. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. It's well worth. There's there were so many bits to choose from. <laughs> Amazing! I did not expect to hear Freddie reading the weather to me today. No. So thank you so very great. much. I, uh, yeah, lovely sense of humour and um, mm. the pair of them together. You can imagine, can't you? So much chemistry. Yeah, they are fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Um, yes. Well. They got on brilliantly, didn't they, the two of them? And they were both Campus Christmas, uh, which which worked out perfectly. They also both yeah, smuggled brilliant. Princess Diana into a pub in Soho. It's the RVT. In disguise. In, in a Vauxhall, yeah. Yeah. There's a musical about it. It's at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, and there's a musical called Royal Vauxhall. They dressed her up, because Di- Diana was really tall. She was about 5'11", and they dressed her up as a man and, yeah, smuggled her into a gay bar for a big night out. Oh, and Wow. And I've done quite a lot of stuff at the RVT and apparently there were about 15,000 people in there that night because everyone apparently was there the night that she was in. <laughs> or every well, every guy in the skate bar it, over 50. They, they all, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was there that night. Like, I think, I think uh, <laughs> oh, I have you of you. have <laughs> embellished a little on when you were there. But, yeah, apparently it's uh, in about 85. I think, I think they slicked her hair back and she wore big aviator glasses and a, like camouflage jumpsuit. Like a sort of yeah. combat fatigue kind of jumpsuit. That's so cool. There's a, mu- much... there's a musical about it called Royal Vauxhall. Okay, and you say LVT being the London... The RVT, the Royal Vauxhall oh, the Tavern. Oh, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, you did say. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Also, episode one of season three of Sky's Urban Myths series, they kind of did a film about it. Ah, that they night did as well. it, right. I've got to check that out. Did they have a good Freddy for that? Yeah, it's on Sky Arts. I can't remember who played Freddy. But someone good. Yeah. I think it might be someone yeah. in comedy, actually, who... It wasn't uh, Noel Fielding, was it? He played someone else in one of those things. Yeah. I think he played um, Salvador Dali or something like that, didn't he? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out. Well, hmm. we should check that out. That sounds great. Uh, what a brilliant story, my goodness. And we barely got into the works at this point. We've already got <laughs> massive bombs. What more could you want out of a queen pod, I ask you? <laughs> I tell you. Nothing. Um... 
like its predecessor, A Night at the Opera, the album also took its name from a Marx Brothers movie, and the sleeve design was also similar. Now we've got a black background rather than the white one uh, from A Night at the Opera, which we discussed at length on our album <laughs> cover special. Um, but Groucho sent the band a telegram congratulating them for the album, in which he said, I know that you're a very successful recording artist. Could it be, by any chance... Uh, your sage choice of album titles. It's <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very sweet indeed. Um, and according to Roger, the album actually cost about the same as uh, Night of the Opera to make. And uh, Night of the Opera had been considered the most expensive one ever made at the time, if you remember. Uh, the estimated cost at 40 grand at that time, equivalent to about uh, 340 grand in today's money. If you can imagine such a thing. Wow. Uh, so there you go. Uh, the singles off this album, of course, were Somebody to Love, Tie Your Mother Down, and Queen's first EP, which featured Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy as the main track. Um, Long Away was released in the US as a single, and Teo Toriate, uh, Let Us Cling Together, was also released as a single exclusively in Japan, which is fantastic stuff. Um, so yeah, there we go. Now, it's time to get into the actual tunes, I feel. I would say that casual fans listening to this who've been following us from the beginning, you'll now have heard, I'd say, four of the five songs you need to pass as a bona fide Queen fan. I think that's right. Is it four or three? Three of the four, I think. Uh, the first being, you should know all the woe-la-la-las from Lap of the Gods. Mm-hmm. right? If you've got that, Lap of the Gods revisited off of the end of Sheer Heart Attack. If you know the woe-woe-woe-la-la-las at this point, which you should know, that's the uh, first badge towards being a, a legit Queen fan. Uh, and then from uh, the top of this series, you'll have just acquired 39 and Love of My Life from Night of the Opera. If you know both mm-hmm. of those, you're a qualified yeah. Queen fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here is the fourth and final song you require to be a Queen fan. <laughs> You've got it. You've got all the badges needed to be a full Queen fan at this point. You know, all of the tracks that you definitely need to know off the albums that uh, means that you can turn up to a gig and go, oh, I hope I hope, I hope they do the whoa, whoa, la, la, la's tonight. And everyone will go, oh, yeah, you're a proper Queen fan. <laughs> you know, and uh, you'll be able to, when they t- uh, kick off with Tie Your Mother Down, uh, you'll be able to leap up and sing along with all the words and everyone around you go, oh, legit Queen fan, right there, right there. Um, in fact, there's probably quite a few Queen fans that haven't listened far beyond this album. Um, so you are now, yeah, you're now a qualified Queen fan. Congratulations, podcast listeners. Um, obviously, those of you uh, that uh, 
love Queen uh, to greater detail than this will be there going, well, no, actually, I, I think you need to know all of the album tracks in order. And that is what our mission is. So we will help you with that as well. So, guys... Oh, well, what as this struck me as we're only three years after the first album and this song is like the mature sibling of Keep Yourself Alive because it's mm. we're smashing in with another rocker and it I've always sort of paired these two up together, Keep Yourself Alive, Tie Your Mother Down, and it's like a really confident sibling. <laughs> um, I mean, it's really accessible too because I, I guess after A Night at the Opera... Um, with Bohemian Rhapsody being such a huge hit and the album being quite arty, they've gone, okay, we'll just open this album with, after there's sort of that brief uh, overture, Brian overture, and then we're into a really super accessible rock song. I don't know how anyone could say Queen are pretentious after hearing this song. That's all out rock and roll. No, you're absolutely right. And in fact, it's interesting you say that because... uh, the song, the, the sort of genesis of the song dates all the way back to 1970, uh, when Brian was working as part of his PhD as an astrophysicist in, Tener- in Tenerife. He wrote the riff on a song on a Spa- uh, riff of the song on a Spanish guitar. He said, "I was on top of a mountain playing some riffs while the sun came up. When the words of that song came into my head, I thought it was a crap title, but Freddie said it meant something to him. And who am I to argue?" <laughs> Um, and freddie responded on that kenny everett uh interview that you played some clips from actually um uh this was in november 76 i think it is that set of interviews uh he said well uh this one in fact is a track written by brian actually i don't know why maybe he he was in one of his vicious moods i think he's trying to outdo me after death on two legs actually (laughs) (laughs) i think there is a there is a similarity between this and death on two legs because they both have those sort of definite um long instrumental intros and Mm. but this feels more like it's a song written to be a live intro to a gig um as opposed to a night of the opera which is sort of more of a concept of an opening to a uh, a show but i think it's also worth pointing out that when you have sort of Queen fans who say I only like their early stuff or I stopped listening to them when they stopped being sort of heavy rock I'd say Day at the Races is the sort of turning point at which you separate mm. that they those fans separate the early stuff from the stuff that was to come uh, but I think uh, Time of the Down is is it's a perfect rock track and if you look up the word banger in the dictionary yeah. it's just it's just tying <laughs> down i wrote banger yeah it is it's a it's a total banger i think it's also i'm going to guess that this is a fact but i think it's the only song where brian uses a slide guitar Ooh. ah uh, well he uses it on radio gaga doesn't he <gasps> so use a slider is that as an effect well, he certainly uses slide live, oh, okay. um, whether it's on the track. But anyway, it, it wasn't it wasn't a regular thing no. of his, was it? But this is, uh, I, I agree. I, I love this song. I mean, it's a great studio track, but I love it so much live. It's yeah. It's almost like love of my life in terms of it unites Queen fans of in a kind of it's party time. Um, and uh, one of the things I've always been struck by is the image if you watch. Um, Milton Keynes live at the bowl mm. Mm. and when they do this and on that tour they had these huge searchlights 
on the stage, which predominantly were for following Freddie, because um, obviously he needed as many of those as he possibly could manage. <laughs> but for the beginning of Tie Your Mother Down, as, as they're banging out that riff, the searchlights sweep across the crowd and it's pitch black by this point and the searchlights are going and all you can see as far as the eye can see is this mass of people all jumping up and down mm-hmm. exactly yeah. at the same time it looks phenomenal it, you, you look at that and go I want to be part of that yes oh, so good it's so yeah. good in fact the song's been played at every on every single Queen tour since its release in 1976 like they always include it I don't know if now Simon's pulling faces so maybe no I didn't know that but couple, that's but that's great. That is, uh, yeah, that, that seems to be the it's case. It's also, if um, any listeners are budding guitarists, it's quite a simple riff to play, so it's quite satisfying to play it because it, it sort of sounds very Queen and very Brian, but it's very achievable, even if you've got quite a, even a basic understanding of the guitar because it's just three chords and this sort of simple hammer-on. I was going to ask about that, John, because it's sort of uh, almost like a status quo thing. That sort of it is, yeah. It's sort of like a bit like rocking all over the world. But it sounds way more complicated when Brian does it because it's more of a you know. It sounds like there's more going on somehow. Yeah, but it's it's actually just. Well, I can sort of see it in my head, but it really is just uh, one one hammer on and one pull off on the E and A string, and then. Four, it's four chords actually. The jing 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 do do do. Mm. So you can sort of play that for ages and pretend you're Brian May. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then when when the sort <laughs> of so I always remember when I was playing and the sort of slide solo would start and I just kind of keep playing that. <laughs> <laughs> but you can sort of play backing because that's on top. You can play backing to the to most of the song if you. You play rhythm guitar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I also remember as a kid when I first came across this song. It was like. It was super shocking, like, the lyrics, tie your mother down, that's a really full-on, like, you're not meant to mess around with your mum when you're a kid, you know, like, that's, uh, that's like, that is, that is proper rock and roll, that is, there's a real <laughs> anger and danger to this song, that it felt so rude and naughty, and, oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, but it's also, it also is essentially down. going, why don't, why don't your parents like me? I see Freddie like singing to the fans why don't your parents like me (laughs) yeah it is one of those songs that speaks absolutely to a rebellious youth uh, that that they would have in those days our our youth these days are you know a bit more woke than that which is lovely but um, yeah (laughs) it's it's real Brian said didn't he that with Keep Yourself Alive you know he discovered that lyric subtlety doesn't work you know, but there's no ambiguity here is there? <laughs> he's learned that lesson yeah 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 yeah. it is almost impossible to listen to this song without getting your party on that's my yeah. feeling about it yeah right yeah agree that's the stuff um uh all right well what else is there to say about this song? well it was released as a single um with you and i which we'll listen to later on the b-side uh, this was back when Knowing Me, Knowing You by ABBA was at number one. It didn't chart that highly. Um, I think Somebody to Love did brilliantly, got to number two. Uh, and uh, Good Old Fashioned Boy, Old Fashioned Boy, the EP did okay, actually got into the top 20. Um, but yeah, no, weirdly, um, Tell Your Mother Down, I guess, didn't catch the wave at that time. It got to uh, number 31 in the UK charts. But my God, it is... 
an absolute banger, like John says. And um, I think it's one of the sort of official Queen anthems now. And yeah, if you're a Queen fan, you would consider it to be a major hit. It's not on the greatest hits album, but um, albums, but uh, it it's has on that good Queen ass. Rocks. It's on Queen Rocks, it's of course. Queen it's on Rocks, Queen yeah. Rocks. It was also. Yeah, yeah. I think that was, it was the reason to make Queen Rocks. It was the double A side of No One But You, which charted, <laughs> which charted higher. That got to number thirteen. Mm-hmm. That is very true. That's very true. That's when uh, Robbie Williams's Angels was at number six, and Never Ever by the All Saints was at number one. Ah. Remember the yeah. All Saints? How lovely they are! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, we talked about that little uh, sort of uh, that sort of circusy fairground carousel sound that is the intro and outro of this album, mm. uh, which you hear going into "Tie Your Mother Down" and coming out of Teo Toriati at the end of the album. Uh, and, and that was a shepherd tone harmonium. Um, uh, which oh, is, yeah, that weird sort of... Yeah. Uh, it sounds like it's... What's it called? Pe- not perpetual motion. Because, that's something else, but it just... It sounds like it's going higher and higher. When we get to Simon higher. Says, we're going to talk about okay. that. okay. All I was going to say was going to say, is to create a sense of resolution across the album. That's as far as I'm going with that. <laughs> I would say broadly that I think this album suffers from its association with A Night at the Opera. Yes. Because I think the attempts to turn it into a sort of a complete work are, don't, aren't quite running through the whole thing. Mm. And I think part of that sort of outro to the album and intro to the album and a couple of moments where the songs segue, it's almost like it's like they're trying to attach it to a night at the opera when actually this is these the tracks on this album are much more separate, both Mm. conceptually and musically than night at the opera. And I wonder if that perhaps why inevitably you view it as a sister album because of the artwork and the name. And I think perhaps it, it it's unfairly dismissed because it's not as successfully conceptually mm-hmm. as a night at the opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So, like Suze was saying earlier, I think the songwriting on this album is well, you know, it's, it's it's some of their most mature songwriting actually as a band that we've mm. seen to date. Um, and yeah, I think the songs probably do stand on their own more. Um, but also, interestingly, growing up, you know. Because sort of even non-Queen fans would sort of acknowledge A Night at the Opera, I was always a bit of a... I was stood up for a day at the races and went, oh, but this is a much better album, it's more complicated and there's some really cool songs on it and it's different sounds and all this kind of stuff. But interestingly, listening it, to it now in sequence of this podcast, you know, you do sort of have to doff your hat to the power of Night at the Opera. And I think mm-hmm. perhaps, like you're saying, John, those... Those elements aren't quite as successful on this album, but that doesn't detract from just how rocking these yeah, and <laughs> rocking I, these tunes are. And I, I think, and I don't mean this in a hugely critical way. I think this is the first Queen album that's got a bit of filler on it, but I think the standard of that filler is so high that that's yeah. not a, a problem for me. But there are songs on it that aren't necessarily contributing to the whole piece in the same way that they are on all the previous albums. Interesting. Mm. I can't think mm. of any examples of filler on this album. Well, we maybe, maybe next episode I might, <laughs> I might fly a flag for a, a song that doesn't quite fit on this album. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. No, yeah, okay, possibly. Um, all right, okay. Uh, I think it is time for a bit of 
Love of our lives. This is the bit where I get to read out a fan letter. Um, a fan letter. I get to read out a couple of listener letters. Uh, well, I've taken two this time because we've heard from two youths um, uh, who emailed us at the top of February, and I want to include them. They're youths, Simon. Right. Right? Those people you're disconnected to these days. So, um, so the first one here is from Madeline Schnack. Uh, <clears throat> not a made-up name. Hello, Madeline. How are you? Nice to you for you to drop us a line. It's really lovely to hear from you. Uh, hey there, I'm 17 and a huge Queen fan, and I'm really enjoying the Queen pod. You asked in a recent episode why kids are currently into Queen. I think that's something we must have discussed in season one. Um, I think there are three main reasons why so many Gen Z, Gen Z folk love Queen. I'd say one of those reasons is the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, which a lot of my friends saw and then took it upon themselves to learn more about Queen. I would guess Adam Lambert helps. Kids listen to him and then move into the Queen fandom through him. And then finally, it's just the fact that Queen is universal. Their music stands the test of time, and good music will always be good music. Plus, they have so many genres under their belt. No matter what genre is your favourite, there will be a song for you within Queen. I wish even more people my age liked Queen. Anywho, I'm really enjoying listening to the Queen pod, and I can't wait for the rest of it. I couldn't agree with her more. That is, is that, is that, yeah, they're so eclectic, and there is always a, you know, you've said this things i'm whatever mood you're in there's a song for it in the queen catalogue you don't need any other music at all also what i think so it may be out now but the record collector issue where we've had some fan questions asked of Mm. the band they asked me to write an intro for the edition something i was trying to express but i didn't really have the sort of musical lexicon to describe it because i don't really know a huge amount about the sort of technicalities of music but Queen were able to make very, very complicated songs very, very catchy, yeah. which I think is one of their sort of supreme achievements. And yeah. so you get these sounds that are so full, but essentially, if you played them in a car, kids would go, what's this? This is amazing. Mm. And I, and I, <laughs> they're so catchy. Yeah. yeah. Like you, it's easy to sort of overlook, it, especially like on this album, something like, somebody to love it's so good I know. It's, yeah. they, oh, it's there's crazy. so much going on but yet it's a really singable song mm-hmm. so i think yeah. that's why it appeals to uh younger people yeah yeah absolutely yeah in fact i've got manveer chagar here uh check out how young this guy is simon Hi there. I just started listening to the Queen podcast and I'm absolutely loving it. Thank you, Manveer. I'm a ver- I'm a fairly young and new Queen fan. I'm 14 going on 15 and it's been nearly two years since I began loving and obsessing over Queen. Honestly, you're making, a- <laughs> you're making me think of I was exactly your age when you start getting into this stuff. When I start getting into this stuff. I'm emailing to answer the question of why young people seem to be quite fond of Queen. And to be quite honest, I'm not too sure myself. I seem to be the only, if not the uh, one of the only Queen fans in my school. I feel your pain, mate. <laughs> Every time I try to convince people to listen to them, they don't seem interested. At a young age, my parents introduced me to older music like ABBA, The Beatles, The Monkees, Michael Jackson, and a little bit of Queen. The reason I seem to adore Queen is because, well, they're all musical geniuses, correct? And I seem to find comfort comfort in relating to some of their lyrics. 
I think it's a mixture of growing up with um, older music and how Queen composes their songs. I find it fascinating listening to the layers and melodies uh, that shouldn't go together, being like heaven for the ears. I don't want to go on too much, but I think that the reason younger people enjoy listening to Queen is that their music from the late 80s can be quite similar to pop. Uh, personally, I really enjoy the first three albums, so I'm not particularly sure. But I hope this answered your question, smiley face. Thank you, Matthew. Oh. See, that's hey. how you know he's young, because he put a smiley face at the yeah, end. Yeah, he put a smiley <laughs> <laughs> That's it, that's it. But and he kept referring really to the music. Right. I am smiling. Yeah. Yes. As and kind regards. Yeah. Um, and he also I, kept referring to the music you like, Simon, as older music. Older music. That, that's absolutely fine. I would say to him, he may think he's the only one, but there are more of us. Than he knows. We are legion. Yeah. Trust, trust us. They're out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, yeah. Good for absolutely. him though. Flying yeah. the flag. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, the music is not going anywhere. It's not like um, no. there aren't new fans being generated all the time, which is absolutely exciting. It is my great pleasure to thank some of our patrons. So big, big thanks to Mark Wade, Adam Glover, Lynn Davidson, Martin Warren, Lynn Fulbig. Alex C, Ed Duckham, Celia Miller, Elizabeth Ogilvie and Claudia Mann. Many thanks to you one and all. Shall we get back to the works, folks? Mm-hmm. Please. All right. Next track is a Freddie Mercury special, four minutes, 40 seconds long, uh, and it is called You Take My Breath Away. So please don't go. Don't leave me here all by myself. So lonely from time to time I will find you anywhere you go Take my breath away. Beautiful. All the vocals and the piano were performed by Fred. He said, this one I did myself. I multi-tracked myself, so the others weren't used on this one for the voices. I played piano and basically, well, I don't know how we managed to stay this simple. You know, with all our overdubs and things, people seem to think that we're over-complex. And it's not true. It depends on the individual track, really. If it needs it, we do it. So this is pretty sparse, actually, by Queen and our standards. Now, Simon, you have mentioned this several times in the past as one of your all-time favourite tracks, and I think, Susan, John, you've got strong feelings about this track as well. Well, let's start with Simon. Yeah, I, I, I do, actually. It was it was lovely listening to it again in preparation for this. Although something occurred to me, which I hadn't occurred to, the, the vocals at the very beginning, the opening, reminded me of the Flash album. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just those 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 harmonies at the very beginning. I was suddenly oh, yeah, picturing a shuttle flying you can through just, the boreal. Just whatever. remind me. Just remind me how that goes. No. If and, you uh, listen very very carefully at the start, and I again, this album has just proved how you need to listen to Queen in good headphones, hmm. um, because you there are there are instruments on different channels that you don't hear if you listen on speakers you Mm. can just make out the backing vocal track leak onto the lead vocal track Uh. there's a pre-echo of it i don't know what that what the technical term for that is (laughs) Uh. 
But if you listen to it really carefully, turn it up really loud, <laughs> you can just hear it um, on the on the lead vocal track. Wow, amazing! Oh, cool. But yeah, I, the reason I've talked about it a lot is because I got a renewed sort of appreciation of it when we were making a the documentary about the Bejar Ballet, and um, mm. I had the real pleasure of it being in the rehearsal room with the ballet company as as they rehearsed this number and just seeing it right in front of you being performed like that with with ballet dancers at the absolute top of their their game uh, and their profession it, it was it's really moving so was that a modern um, project that was done sorry I, I don't know about this yeah so this was this was sort of post freddie so this was sort of um 96 i think it was something around there um maybe slightly later um, dates escape me right now um but yeah, so Maurice Bejar, who was probably the equivalent to the ballet world as what Freddie was to to the rock mm. and roll, in that he he completely loved ripping up the rule book and doing it his own way, had complete courage of his convictions, was hugely inspired by Freddie and and choreographed this entire ballet to Queen music, mm. but picked tracks like this, you know, rather than than going for necessarily all the big, the greatest hits. And I think what Freddie would have been so thrilled about is that you you have this genius from the world of ballet, which, of course, we know Freddie was obsessed with, um, had taken one of his songs and completely reimagined its meaning. Now, I I have no doubt that, you know, for Freddie, this was intended as a love song. It's it's how, you know, the singer is intoxicated by someone mm. and and how they take their, their breath away whenever they see them. Whereas Bejar saw that as someone being stalked by death, which oh. is a completely different meaning, but works so brilliantly and is incredible. Um, and I, I just think that's wonderful that you can take a piece of art like a song like this and then apply it in another artistic discipline and get something completely different from it. Right. And still be brilliant. Right, right, right. So... For that, I, yeah, I, it's left a lasting impression on me for that reason mm. alone. Wow. And it's a beautiful song. And I love the simplicity of it, you know. Is it your yeah. favourite Queen song that you, you teased us with last week, uh, Simon? No. <gasps> oh. Mm. But well remembered. <laughs> Someone was. <laughs> Suze, talk to us yeah. about Take My Breath Away. I love this coming straight after Tie Your Mother Down because it's another, it, as with Deaf on Two Legs into Lazy on a Sunday Afternoon, Freddie's giving us his full contrast in vocals. He, he opens with this really quite ethereal single solo line and then those multi-layered harmonies, they're kind of otherworldly. There's a little bit of uh, Lap of the Gods um, from Sheer Heart Attack in them. It sounds like there's a thousand of them and they're really lush like an old MGM movie. Hmm. Um, and the, the, I think the piano riff is beautiful. There's loads of... Uh, he's managed to make the piano riff... Um, it's full of pain and romance, and then his vocal is the same. It's more of that cry quality that we heard on White Queen from Queen 2 and also on Lily of the Valley. Um, and it kind of... I, listening to it I, I sort of played it three times in a row when I was making my notes and I've found that the first sort of three minutes they he, he's almost rambling in the lyrics like it's quite a stream of consciousness and then when it all comes together 
with uh, the I Will Find You lyric with, and it has wow. harmonies on top of it and then it all comes together. So it's like it's all being built into that. Um, I, love, I love how Freddie, he's never afraid to be fragile on a song and the fact it comes just after Tie Your Mother Down is it's all the swagger of that it's kind of a more of a swagger choice to then go and then we'll put take your breath away <laughs> take your breath away yeah they're also really unusual is it clashing chord sounds is it discordant things that become yeah dissonance, dissonance and mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah there's dissonant harmonies yeah so it's hugely yeah. experimental right yeah it's it's really vulnerable um songwriting but also super confident he's had a song on I noticed as well, he's had a song on every album since Queen 2 that is like a piano lad, piano led, uh, like Love is Sad song. <laughs> so we've had <laughs> oh, so long. Ne- yeah. There have been Nevermore, Lily of the Valley, Love of My Life, and then this. Mm. And then on the News of the World, there's My Melancholy Blues. Mm, mm. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, everyone loves My Melancholy Blues, right? <laughs> uh, John, uh, yeah. what, how, where, where do you sit with uh, Take My Breath Away? I just love how he manages to make his main vocal so intimate whilst he's got these big uh, backing overdubs going from from sort of speaker to speaker. And whenever that whenever it comes back to that solitary lead vocal, his his sort of I don't know whether it's his intonation or just the way he's speaking is so in your ear that you've got this sort of big emotional full sound but you've still got this very it's like a very bare quite naked freddy and that's something that he doesn't often do i think i think he definitely does it in my melancholy blues and um in some of the earlier like susan was saying those earlier sort of versions of this song not versions but earlier similar songs but it, his his controls just so superb and his the way he voices it um, I think it's great. Interestingly, on the remaster, they move the outro from the intro of Long Away to the outro of You Take My Breath Away. So, you know, the, oh. the repeated... Oh, yeah, so, which yeah. is really unsettling. I was looking at the remaster and I think this is like a tricky thing when you're putting on CD something that would just play on a vinyl because you have to separate mm. out where the tracks are. But I was like, why the hell is uh, You Take My Breath Away 27 seconds longer? And You're they right. just shift, no. shifted the point at which they go from the two. A bit like mm. um, you, they, you can sort of sometimes struggle to tell where Prophet's song and Love of My Life begin and end. Mm. Um, so they yeah. just moved yeah. that around on the remaster. Right. I don't okay. know about you, Simon. <laughs> I can't tell the difference between the remaster and the... The original CD, <laughs> and I listened to it loud, and I compared sections. I can't tell a huge amount of difference. I'm guessing if I was a studio mixer, I would. Do you know much about the remastering that went on for the 2011 release? No, I, I don't. I'm afraid because it, yeah, it, it blows my mind when people start talking about how they do it and what they're doing. Um, I, I don't think I'm finely tuned enough to spot. <laughs> many differences sometimes you can when you hear them next to each other but that's it but you know we very rarely ever do that do we but um i i think uh 
there must be a reason, otherwise they wouldn't keep doing it. Well, and also in this case, you know, Queen toiled so hard to get their sound exactly right on all of these tracks. So actually, in remastering it, it's not about trying to embellish it. It's trying to remove anything that's got in the way, I think, from their point of view of, of that track. It's, I guess it's it like bringing perfect. it up to like modern standards, modern sort of digital standards on the mm. masters, mm. probably. It will survive the compression of streaming through a smartphone and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah it's a bit more robust. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> okay, so with this track, and we will move on very quickly, but with this track, I'd have to say I recognise how uh, experimental it is, how how much music musical genius goes into it, the, the vocal genius that goes into it, uh, and all of those things. And interestingly, when I was a little kid... It wasn't a song that um that I particularly resonated with because ultimately all of those dissonances and it's so challenging for me. As Suze would put it, it would twist my melon, and uh, <laughs> I didn't necessarily enjoy the experience of it except for that when it kind of resolves into that beautiful middle piece, which is the bit that I played. Um, I absolutely adore that sequence, but around it is a sequence of sounds that I find super challenging to kind of deal with. And um, I think as an experience, it's still the song on the album that I find the most challenging to handle. Um, but my God, I respect the heck out of it. <laughs> Would I put it in a Daily Queen playlist? Maybe not. But uh, that is not to take away from the insane skill that Freddie has. But I don't have the same relationship with it as you do, Simon, I have to say. There are other tracks on this album that I do, which we will be getting to very shortly. But first, it is time to play the game. Play the game, play the game, play the game. That's right. It's time for a listener question from Producer Giles. Hiya. Hi. This, this is an expansion, I think, on the last uh, listener question you guys answered. Uh, but Tony asks, if you could have been present at any Queen-related event, what would it have been? You can answer with your, your I would have been at that live gig, maybe, if you want to. It's a good question, cool Tony. Things, right? Yeah, it's a very good question. Hmm. The one that occurs to me straight away, to give these three a chance to have a proper think, uh, is Freddie's birthday party, that ma- major one where... I mean, I don't know if all of his birthday parties have melded into one, but I can't remember what it was. Was it 36 or something like that? It was that neck of the woods where there, there was purportedly dwarves being carried around with covered in bits of meat on platters and, you know, good, just unbelievable amounts. Of, I would love to go to a Freddie Mercury birthday party. That, <laughs> that, hosted by Fred... I'd get involved with all of that and know all of the things and see all of the things and experience all of the things. Um, yes, I would I have deeply and often craved. I'd probably sit in a corner absolutely terrified there um, <laughs> or for the first hour and then I'd um, and then I'd be the last to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Freddie's birthday party would be amazing. The, the particular one I think you're thinking of is the press launch um, for new jazz in New Orleans. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah, which was... So if, you, if you're going to the Freddie birthday party, let us know how that goes. I'll go to the New Orleans <laughs> press launch and let me know how that goes. Okay, okay. I've seen photographs of that. That looked, that looked full on. <laughs> okay, um, all right. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. 
Wicked. Yeah, so we can Basically, compare notes afterwards. We'd both yeah. want to go to a Freddy party, whichever the biggest, most debauched Freddy party there is available. <laughs> well, there's the one that, that appeared one. in his Living on My Own video, which I think was his 39th. Oh, 39th. Yeah. I think that's the one I'm the thinking of. The black and white of. one. Yeah. But, um, but, I, but he had hat parties. I think, I think generally, Freddy parties were, were something to behold. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, he loved be he was like a super host, wasn't he? He loved just sort of flitting around the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Kind of shy, so he didn't need to have. So it was all just entertainment and show, and oh, bring in dancers and let's have some. Absolutely. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. There's some really good footage on YouTube of them in the studio recording One Vision. And they look like they're having, they're sort of writing it as they go and then recording bits. And they look like they're having the most fun. And I would have liked to have been um, hanging out there. Supplying some bottles of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thirsty? Anyone? Anyone, anyone for that a pen? I'd, I'd always keep the kettle boiled. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. Click. <laughs> keep it boiled. Pen, yeah. yeah, pens in front pocket. Um, I'd say, oh, you had a good rhyme earlier i could point out they had a good rhyme earlier that they haven't used yet that kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. that, yeah. that word you used earlier that had enough syllables <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah roger yeah. roger <laughs> that kind of thing yeah so well, yeah it would just be a, it would be a good day and um they'd probably have an outtake with i don't know they say my name or something <laughs> <laughs> sue's vision i love it that's fantastic <laughs> john <laughs> Where are you at? Well, I'm going to go with the first thing that came into my head when uh, I heard the question, because I could probably spend a day thinking about this, but I would like to have been there during the rare recording sessions between Freddie Mercury and Montserrat Caballé. <gasps> oh, I God. think they... I'm changing my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to have been there when he met her, and I would have liked to have been there when they were... Because I think most of Barcelona was recorded. Freddie did his parts as a lead mm. for her parts. But they did have some sessions together. And I think to have seen that would have been to see sort of two complete masters. Mm. Just the way they interacted together. I know that they were very fond of each other. Um, and I think it's a real shame she wasn't at the tribute concert. I don't know whether that's because mm. she wasn't available to be there. But... Um, I would love to have seen that sort of spark between the two of them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I love the fact that he was always very nervous around her and kind of quite. Well, I think it's Paul Gambaccini tells a story about when Freddie first saw her live and he said he turned around and Freddie's jaw was just on the floor mm. for the whole performance. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really under underrated and under-discussed and under-talked sort of about Freddie project it's absolutely superb that album yeah and it's unlike a anything movie else to be made yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do a special on it john there's no doubt yeah we'll have to we'll have to we'll make it super rated and super discussed that is what we will do uh, great question though. great question great yeah question. thanks Very tony question. and thank you yeah. producer giles We are getting back to the works, guys. How does that feel? We are going to Long Away. Beautiful Brian May songs. Three minutes, 55 seconds long. Uh, and Brian sings the lead vocals on this with Roger providing backing vocals for the highest parts. Let us hear a little bit of Long Away. Take on my friend, we love you. I 
I mean, John's bass alone on that song. I was just about to say, he is, I think, the hero of this album. Absolutely. Mm. I think Mm -hmm. the more you listen to it, the more he reveals himself as just being such a... He just knows when to sit back and when to do something interesting. And he he's always the last thing you hear when you sort of do a deep dive into a Queen song. But that, yeah. that track especially, and obviously what we're about to come on to, but crikey Moses, he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's so, so good. Uh, mm. I, I'm very fortunate to have briefly done a GCSE in music that I was not allowed to complete, so you should be pleased to know. <laughs> Why weren't you? Uh, well... Who, who kicked you out? <laughs> Oh, it's a bit. Um, I was I was a lazy student. Let's put it that way. Um, I was massively into Queen. I was just literally obsessed with Queen. I spent all my lunch breaks in uh, the music rooms with my band Blade, uh, covering Queen songs. What's Your wrong with that? Why are you laughing? Yeah, every were... band name, every band name is funny. Yeah, we were if edgy. You were at we school were in band, edgy. So, sorry uh, for laughing. That's that's. <laughs> Right. I was in one called I was in one called the Spoilers. What the fuck is that? Don't worry about it. We were called Blade because what I wanted to call ourselves was not allowed. The, the rest of the bandmates said no. Uh, what I wanted what to call ourselves. Well, it, we would have made a fortune. Um, I had a whole concept. Uh, we, I wanted to call the band Legend. Anyway, so um, <laughs> that's look. That, that's not the point. This isn't a podcast. This isn't not Legend Pod. Or even Blade Pod, this is Queen Pod. My sure. point being, that one of the things that I got to learn when I was that brief period where I was studying music was enabling, you know, how, how to hear music, if you like, by mm. just closing your eyes, listening to it with your headphones on and just separating out and identifying all all the tunes, all the, all the different instruments. Um, and I think what John just said about uh, what John is doing on this album, uh, John Deacon's doing on this album, is... It's so good. Like if you listen to the whole album and just just pull out what 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 Mr. Deacon is up to on that bass, it is perpetually mm. rewarding. I mean, we'll get onto you and I a, a little bit later, but um, yeah, there's all kinds of extraordinary things. I wish there. I wish there was a way with the Queen songs, like you can with football on certain channels, is you could have like a certain player cam, and you could just like follow. <laughs> yeah an individual oh. member throughout each song because I would oh, love to have so sort of good. to put Deacon very high in the mix and re-listen yeah. to Queen sort of through his lens mm-hmm. yeah I'm sure just listening to his tracks isolated would be absolutely bonkers actually it would be really really fun um, alright uh, so Mr Lupton yes uh, it's lovely uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um I think this would would we agree this falls into that category of sort of quite Beatles inspired mm. numbers. It's a it's a classic Brian Thready sort of song. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. very similar to Leaving Home Ain't Easy, it's very similar to Thirty Nine, it's in it's in that catalogue of Brian's lower bangers. Mm. <laughs> They're sort of um Brian does these sort of uh ballad hybrids that are not ballads. They're sort of up-tempo ballads. I don't know how they're you, yeah, quite, exactly. yeah. They've all got a sort of longing of quality to them. Yeah. Brian, yeah. So Brian has sort of two settings. He's either got classic insane rock or he's got these quite melancholy wistful odes. Introspective. And this yeah. is yeah. definitely in the, in the latter camp. Yeah. 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 
Are we it's big fans really, of the song? Yeah, go on, Suze. I like, I like it a lot. Uh, it's quite mellow. It's really mellow. And then when his solo comes, and his voice works perfectly on it because it's mellow, like soft folk rock. But then when he has his solo, the red special like cuts through. Mm. You know where, like when you know when you have like a lemon drizzle cake. It's like it cuts through. The, the red special's like the lemon in a lemon drizzle cake, cutting through the sponge. But well, you it, like the sponge. It's interesting you say that. I've got, I've got a little fact here for John uh, uh, in, in regards to the sponge. Um, so he did use the red special for the second guitar solo in the middle section, but mm-hmm. for the rhythm guitar parts, Brian played... John? It was a 12-string, wasn't it? Yeah, Burns 12-string guitar, exactly yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, apparently he'd originally wanted to use a Rickenbacker guitar, which was John Lennon's guitar of choice, but didn't get along with its thin neck. So he went with the uh, with the Burns and the um, and the Red Special, which is very cool. Um, it's also, I mean, it was released as a single in the US, which makes it the only single released in Freddie's lifetime that Freddie didn't sing lead vocals on. Ah, great fans. Oh, it's kind of nice. Oh, so no Roger songs were ever released uh, with him singing the. Well, I mean, uh, no, because those singles were like Radio Gaga and. Yeah, right? of course. So, yeah. Um, uh, trying to think, a kind of magic. Yeah. Mm, was mm-hmm. a Roger one. Uh, Brian said in 1982, if I'm honest, this is uh, this is sort of in reference to kind of where he was around this neck of the woods. If I'm honest, I think I'd like to be remembered for a few of the songs, none of which were really hits, but some of which had a lot of emotion in them. White Queen from uh, Queen 2, and Let Us Cling Together and Long Away off a Day of the Races album. And We Will Rock You. (laughs) 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 You know, those big emotion songs. I think he picked We Will Rock You on Desert Island Discs. Did he? (laughs) Yeah. Good for him. Why not, man? You can, can't you? Oh, absolutely. You get to that point, you I, if, I'd, if I'd yeah. written We Will Rock You, I would be taking that on my desert island. Yeah. Too. yeah. <laughs> just just reminding myself that I've taught the entire world to That's sing. That's it. <laughs> yeah, going, going back 20 years, I can remember reading an interview with um, the guy in Top Loader, and he said, these days I don't listen to other music other than my own because I truly think we're at the top of the music industry. And I thought, he must be... Joking. <laughs> Considering their most famous song is a cover, that's quite rich. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Achilles' heel is fine, oh, but man. <laughs> there's plenty of bands. He was not thinking about the passage of time and how these no. <laughs> these statements might date so quickly. Uh, no, that is that is extraordinary. Um, I I love Long Away, and uh, it is almost permanently in my general playlist. Uh, because I am never unhappy when it comes up. It is. It has always been in one of my favourite top ten Queen songs of all time. I think I absolutely adore Long Away. Uh, and it's just that sound. I think it is John Deacon's bass playing that's just so driving and yet so sweet. Um, oh, I think it's just a beautiful song. Um, and it, again, it sounds... It sounds complex. There's sort of folk strains going through it and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Long Away. There we go. All right. Uh, It is now time. I tell you, he's guaranteed to blow your mind. It's time for Simon Says. Guaranteed to blow your mind. We started to talk about this earlier on in the podcast, about the intro into Tie Your Mother Down. Yes. Um, Oh, yeah. Which is this idea of sort of perpetual motion 
for, you know in in the, the guitar scale if if you like mm. but actually from what i understand brian was also influenced by the drawings of mc escher oh yeah uh, which you know you, you may be familiar it, or if you google it you'll certainly recognize it his picture called relativity for example which in turn was inspired by the Penrose Steps or the Impossible the Steps. Staircase, I remember, those, yeah. Because they're that, that just like this continually yeah. revolving steps. So you feel like you're going up upstairs all the way all the time, yeah. but you yeah. never actually get anywhere. Yeah. And um so yeah, so the image is uh, is the stairs make uh, make four ninety degree turns for forming a continuous loop, whether you go up it or down it. Okay. And I from what I understand, Brian is recreating that in the opening to tie your mother down. So what's brilliant about it, as with the stairs, is um, they, they are continuous. No matter whether you are ascending or descending, the piece of music also works when you play it forwards or backwards. Does he play it backwards at the end of the album and forwards at the no. beginning? No, because no, it, it sounds no, it's like it's going the end. Wow. So, for your pleasure and delight... I've taken that intro. The first of what you're going to hear is it being played as it appears on the album. And then the second half is it being played backwards. Ooh. And you can see how... This is immense. It works. Are you ready for this? Yeah. 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 So and messes with your mind. Is it actually yeah. going it? up and actually going down? No, I think it just gives the impression that you could keep doing that on and on and on and on and on mm. and on. Simon, are we by any chance talking about what might be described as a shepherd tone? <laughs> <laughs> what that I, I mentioned know. earlier, a shepherd tone <laughs> harmonium. Yeah, named after Roger Shepherd, a sound consisting of super. This is just off the top of the head, by the way. Sure, uh, it's very impressive as it is. Sound consisting of superposition of sine waves separated by octaves when played with the bass pitch of the tone moving upward or downward is referred to as the shepherd scale, which creates the illusion of a tone that seems to continually or uh, ascend or descend in pitch. Do you know, what? Oh. I'm always consistently impressed. Well with remembered. The, Information you have at your fingertips. <laughs> away. I think that's kind of what I said, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's got a name. <laughs> yeah, but I said that it was a shepherd tone. Yeah, earlier. no, I'm, I wasn't implied that Brian made it up. But what I think, what Who's I find interesting was that he was know, a very influential shepherd. To... <laughs> you should have heard the way he whistled for his sheepdog. <laughs> he loved a pie and he loved sheep and music. 
yeah. that's yeah. how he should be remembered. Yeah. Cottage pie. It's very Brian to cr- sort of almost create a mathematical equation out of his guitar. <laughs> yeah. Shepherd's yeah. pie. This album shall open with science. Yes. But, uh, to, but to finish, um, do you remember in the past we've also um, shared some of the Hollywood Records remixes that oh, came yeah. out yeah. 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 and signed with them in 1991? <laughs> the super fun ones. We've been less impressed with some of them, haven't we? So <laughs> yeah. I think it's only fair that when one's actually not bad that we also share that as well. Oh, OK. And I, I think the one on Tame Mother Down is pretty good. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a patch on the original. You know. <laughs> I'm not saying, oh, this is better than the original or instead of. You can have both. Yeah. But this, this I thought a clip of this because this, I thought this was a pretty, pretty good job. Oh, it's always fun to have a remix. Yeah, exactly. Slightly different version. Of okay. It. Maybe less so with the seventh season ride, to be fair. <laughs> Here we go. Brian's just put his voice higher in the mix. <laughs> oh no, the bass is rocking. The is bass, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. It's sort of been a kind of magicified. Um, it's very, very cool. Yeah, John Deacon's bass once again, unsung hero, like uh, John said earlier. Fantastic. Well, well done, Simon. That was a great Simon says. Yeah. Thank you, Bravo. Oh, one more thing about the intro. It opens with a gong. And Bohemian Rhapsody ends with a gong. Oh. But in between oh. those, there's God Save, God the, Save Queen. the Queen. So, oh, yeah. But it also so opens with a mouth. bit of White Man. It's still cool, though. Yeah. Which, they, yes. then do, which yeah. they now do on tour, I believe, with Adam Lambert. White Man riffs begins the time ah. of the down riff. So there's an awful lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, is. So let's get back to the works. With the Millionaire Waltz, a four-minute 52 extravaganza from one Freddie Mercury. Uh, let us hear a little bit to establish the melody, and then I thought I'd play a, a, a proper chunk out of the middle, and then we can all launch into it. Suze, you had this on your top ten Freddie songs, didn't you? So I think we'll start yes. with you. All right, let's just <laughs> play that little bit at the beginning. Bring out the charge of the love brigade Share it with you. 
and then I thought, mm. actually, because this is a bit of a Bohemian Rhapsody and there's big sections to it, so let's play a nice big fat chunk from sort of the middle of this and uh, and then we'll let Suze launch into it. Full I thought that would be a nice bit to play, an amazing guitar solo with the rocky bit. Go on, Suze, Millionaire's Waltz. Oh, this was number two on my top yeah, ten yeah. Freddie songs. I think this should have been a single. Really? I think they should have released it as a single, uh, and I think everyone would have gone mad about it. Mm. But as it is, no one's really heard it. Um, I think this is Freddie at his most Freddie. Like, he's never <laughs> been more Freddie than he is in this... <laughs> particular song it's such a cheeky um decadent and grubby number from start to finish it's also completely bombastic um his vocal is incredible on it and covers all bases and john's bass is awesome on this right you can really hear it high in the mix yeah in fact um uh the the song actually starts with just freddie and john on piano and Mm -hmm. bass um, it's just the two of them right at the very beginning sort of setting their store for the whole song, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Do you think it suffers a little from kind of being the Bohemian Rhapsody of this album? Because you prefer it to Bow Rap, right? I mean, if we're going by my list, I guess. Like, <laughs> 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 how, do, how, do, how do I even begin to quantify what makes a better song than anything else uh, at the oeuvre? But yeah, this was, I did put it higher because um, I just think it's so underappreciated yeah, in yeah. Queen's back catalogue. And it's like, it's a real laugh. Yeah, It's like a song that's a comedy sketch, but it's not a comedy song. It's yeah. funny without being a comedy song. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Beautifully put. Um, Simon, where are you on uh, Millionaire Swaltz? I wrote down, genius, only Freddie. Yeah, <laughs> could do this song. Um, yeah. I I agree with everything Sue says. I it, love hearing Deaky turned up, um, and uh, it's interesting. Again, when they perform it live, um, you know he would gravitate towards the piano, and him and Freddie would sort of really lock in and play this together. Mm. It just used to sound amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I love it. And I'm really hoping that as our resident celebrities, either Suze or John, go on Strictly Come Dancing and do a waltz to this. <laughs> yes. That would, that would be yeah. heaven, I think. Yeah. Can I we would make that be happen? in heaven. 
Yeah, and I'd say it has to be four minutes, 52 seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> You're not cutting any of it. I have to do the whole thing, yeah. yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Brian agrees with you guys. Uh, in Q Magazine in 2008, uh, March 2008, he said, this was our greatest musical excess. It teems with Baroque life and makes Bohemian Rhapsody look easy. A great piece of Freddie. Yeah. Mm, um, how about great you, piece John? Of Freddy. <laughs> I, I think it might be one of the. I, I'm just wondering whether it's the best song on this side of the album, but it's certainly up there. I think it's it's all for me. It's all Deacon. I know Freddie's having a great time, and um, <laughs> it's nice to see him sort of play the part as a like a, a, a cabaret dame. But <laughs> it's, for me, it's all about John Deacon, really like much further forward in the song than he is in 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 most and it's an absolute yeah. delight yeah it's amazing it's amazing it was apparently it was inspired by john reed who managed queen and elton john at the time um uh, freddie again on this kenny everett uh interview that i think you played some clips from earlier simon um mm-hmm. he credits brian with a lot because uh, on the sleeve notes brian's credited as providing guitar orchestration backing vocals and he spent absolutely weeks putting together the orchestra of guitar sounds together um, mm. as brian was wont to, to do you know he's yes. obsessed with creating these things <clears throat> and on that kenny interview uh freddie said actually i'd like to say that brian did do a very good job on the actual guitars he's really taken his guitar orchestration to its limits i don't know how he's ever going to outdo that one actually <laughs> that was a yeah. lovely way to to uh, up summit um yeah i think it's uh i do think it's a tremendous uh piece of music i mean i i'm not as big a fan of it as you guys are I, i've got to admit I, I sort of um uh i you know i love it and i think when i was a kid i always preferred millionaire's waltz to bohemian rhapsody but i think particularly in light of the, what we sort of that discussion of bohemian rhapsody that we had uh, a couple of episodes ago where John found himself going objectively this is the best song ever written <laughs> um, you know and, and, and in light of that I think I was sort of listening to it again and going I don't know that it is necessarily as successful um, but uh, I do, and it's, it isn't my favourite song on this side of the album but that said I totally understand why you guys adore it it is freewheeling it is Freddie at his best it is Got this beautiful playfulness, this big fairground. It's the one song on the album that really taps into the notional theme of the album, that sort of fairground kind of feel and, uh, well, I and think, excess. It's lovely. I'm just noticing, talking about them all back-to-back, the theme of this album, if there, have, has, if there is one lyrically, is about being taken away and going away places and being in sort of other states. So... You've got Long Away, where that's mm. quite obvious. Mm. Um, the Millionaire's Waltz is about sort of taking someone into a world. You and I, mm. similarly, is mm. um, sort of this imagined place where everyone's having a great time. Mm. But then also Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy is an imagined situation. I can dim the lights and sing you songs. It's not saying I am dimming the lights. Mm. So there are a lot of imagined sort of romantic or nostalgic circumstances. And then Drowse is is sort of that, but in the past. So, so many of the songs in this album are about being taken away. Such a good observation, John. That's great. Yeah. I'd never thought of that. I and White was... Man is about taking stuff away. 
Well, yes. Yeah. Absolutely it is, yeah. And um, somebody to love isn't about loving someone. It's about finding mm. someone. Mm-hmm. So, so much of what is being sung about on this album is either just out of reach or sort of a What's figment missing? of the imagination. Tie Your Mother Down is about wanting a family to like you. But they nice. don't. Nice. Oh, I thought you were going to say <laughs> looking for some rope that you'll need to tie your mother down with. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I was doing the clean. I was doing the clean. That was a genuine. That was yeah. That's a really good. Uh, that is a really good bit of an ask. I also think it's a very romantic album. Um, I think their most romantic album to date, at least. Um, and uh, and I think this has a lot of. A sort of romance in the set. I mean, not direct. Well, no, it is. There is romance in it. Um, I also, it also occurs to me that they sort of revisit this kind of world with the uh, the Dreamers Ball. Is it later on on jazz? There's uh, there's sort of some yeah. connection to yeah. to it that way. But yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. It's definitely a masterwork. All right, it is now time for news of the world. Come on, honey. Very quick bits of news. Uh, on the 10th of February, 21, uh, yep, sadly, Queen and Adam Lambert's Rhapsody Tour of Europe has been postponed until 2022, but the tickets carry over, Sue, so no need Yay. to fear. We're okay. <laughs> Everything is safe so far. And not only that, because they're Queen, they added an extra couple of dates to boot uh, the legend, so uh, they're doing an extra couple of dates up in Glasgow, I think, which is fantastic. Um, the next day, on the 11th of February 2021, You Discover Music highlighted 10 of Queen's love songs ahead of Valentine's Day. Do you want to hear what the full 10 are? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was uh, sort of, yeah, their 10 most love songy love songs. Should we try um, and guess them until we get one yeah. wrong? Okay, let me. Should we take it in turns? Ooh. Go on then. Uh, Suze, make a guess. Well, love of my life. Love of my life is on the list. Okay. You've got one of the ten. Simon, you're up. Somebody to love. Somebody to love is on the list. Hmm. Well, they were my first two choices. <laughs> That's why I'm glad <laughs> I asked me. <laughs> uh, I am going to say um, Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Crazy Little Thing Called Love is on the list. Ah, Very good. Okay. Um, save me. Save me is on the list. Okay. So they're greatest hits mostly. <laughs> they're not. Ooh. Oh. Okay, this is where we start playing risky. You're my best friend. You're my best friend's on the list, mate. Well done. Yeah. So you've now Come gotten on. six of the ten. There's four more left to get. Ooh. This is amazing. I actually think you guys might be able to do it, but you've got to take some risks. Okay. I'm going to say good old-fashioned lover boy. Oh, yeah, baby! Oh, it's get it. Yeah. Flipping hell. Okay, on, so what have you done? One, two, three, four, five, s- wait. Two, seven four, done, six. Seven? Oh, God, oh. I've lost. I'm terrible. That should only be six. I think it? you've got six, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought we'd done two each. And oh, sorry, I think I came in one early. That's I don't know what's happened. <laughs> Anyway, we'll keep going. Yeah, keep okay. Going. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, but some of them aren't greatest hits. They okay. are not. 
Are we allowed to confer? Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. <laughs> guys, great king um, rat. Guys. <laughs> Death on two legs. No, I'm, I'm thinking one year of love. Do we dare go there? What a song. Mm. I mean, it should be. One year of love is on the list. Oh, oh. back of the net. <laughs> okay, I'm. Let me just count the ones that I definitely think you haven't got yet. One, two. Uh, I think there are three left for you to get. Three left. Okay. Mm. Well, if I if I was to compile a, I would. I this is still under the banner of conferring. I would say in only seven days. I was just about to say that. I yeah. mean, obviously, that's not going to make the top ten list. Why not? It's, it is a love song, though. It's only going to make a top seven just... list, isn't it? It's a dad joke for you, right there. <laughs> no, Boo. fail. Would you like to hear what the last three Boo. left are? Well, is one who... these are the days of our lives? No. Do they go in that direction? Oh, right. wants to live forever? Forget it. No, amazingly, that should be on the list. Oh. But no. Okay. Sounds like we have run out. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, we got close, guys. So the one that surprised me was uh, I Was Born to Love You. Okay. okay. That's only on Made in Heaven, though, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but what they have also put on this top ten are, which is very pleasing for me, Funny How Love Is. Oh, um, wow. From ah. Queen 2. And yeah. You Take My Breath Away from this very oh. Oh. Which is a lovely top ten. Good game, everyone. Well done. Oh. Uh, what else okay. have I got for news? Uh, yes, uh, hashtag love live. Queen and Adam Lambert's prize draw. If you want to support the unsung heroes of live music, such as the crew and technicians who are in need of support right now, you can win prizes such as a set of drumsticks signed by Roger and uh, Brian May guitar special signed by Brian and dedicated to the winner. Uh, so I don't know if this will go out on time because the entry's closed on the 17th of March, but you may just find it if you go to crowdfunder.co.uk uh, and put in Win Queen Memorabilia, which is great. Um, and an incredible piece of news, uh, on the 16th of February 2021, Freddie Mercury, A Life in His Own Words, which is a, a book that's been beautifully assembled by... Uh, Greg Brooks and some bloke called Simon Lupton is now available in Portuguese. Yeah, baby. Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I've yeah, got my finally. copy of Freddie Mercury in his own words. Here. Is that is that you, Simon? Yeah. yeah. Simon's book. Ah. Isn't that great? Which version you got? We've got French, we've got Italian, and we've got Portuguese. Oh, you've done so well. Ah. And I mean, how does how does <laughs> Freddie's words translate? Because the, the Freddie's idiom of speaking is incredible. It comes across so brilliantly mm. in that. But you really hear we it. Had, it's really difficult not to yeah, read it without hearing fabulous, Fred. We had a fabulous team. I think in total there was 14 people involved in that Portuguese translation. Oh, really? Who, yeah, to sort of, for that very reason, to make sure that it wasn't just a literal translation of the words that they tried to make sure the... The inflection that there was so uniquely Freddie was in there. They did a great job. Oh, they were a lovely team of people. We're very grateful to them. Oh. And now we're going to thank some more of our lovely patrons. Thank you, Susan Ryan, David Haygood, Heather Qualley, Gina Goddard, Donna Richardson, Mark Lewis Lloyd, Martin Pullen, and Andrew Fielding. 
Thanks. So let's get. There is back. one little bit of, of more news, if I can, a little Queen oh, Pod exclusive. Yeah, please do. Holy man. Uh, do you recall? Um, well, I hope everyone recalls Rohan's brilliant um, relaying of Dr. Mary Kate's thesis on oh, yeah. whether thirty nine was possible or not. Yeah. Um, very happy to report now that Dr. Mary Kate and Dr. Brian are in touch. No. Discussing the thesis further. Um, Brian had some deep and meaningful questions about it and queried some of Dr. Mary Gates' <laughs> conclusions and so they are they are working it out together. Oh, that's so amazing. That Did we get them together? Soon. Oh, that makes me so happy. How did that happen, Simon? Did you draw his attention to the thing? This is his favourite the... podcast. Yes. Well, Say it, this is his favourite podcast. As John said, the only person that would have been interested in that bit of the podcast was Ryan. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, we forwarded on um, what Dr. Mary Kay had sent and um, just, you know, if he was interested and he was very intrigued and he Aww. replied and now they are back and forth. Uh, That's magic. And That's amazingly, it's, magic. it's the 39th thesis that he's helped on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> incredible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. that was a great news of the world thank you Simon what a lovely way mm. to finish off news of the world bravo um, and bravo, thank you to your listeners out uh, all you listeners out there see what happens if you email queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com <laughs> Brian May will definitely get in touch with you so send us an email it's a guarantee people desperately are. writing theses about speedboats and, and pretty women to try and get in touch with uh, Roger, Roger yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is it possible to truly love your car? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a documentary about it. It is. Oh. <laughs> um, is it possible to do it and without shame, though? I don't know. Um, okay, let us get back to the works with a magnificent track by John Deacon. Uh, it is You and I. No, not track so much uh john's playing the acoustic guitar on the track as well as the bass oh is he yeah, yes i it am was... <laughs> i was gonna break it to you guys <laughs> busy 1976 <laughs> um uh, another john i believe uh and uh it was the b-side uh for tie your mother down 
over here and also uh, on the US of a uh, long away single little B-side on that and to lean on this wonderful uh, Freddie Kenny Everett um, champagne fueled interview <laughs> Freddie said that was a track by John Deacon his contribution to this album his songs are good and getting better every time actually I'm getting a bit worried actually <laughs> <laughs> he's so supportive of John I love it um, okay who wants to talk about you and I Whenever anyone asks me what Queen songs they should listen to if they've only got the greatest hits, this is one of the first songs that yes. pops into my head. And it'll be usually this, um, It's Late and The Prophet song, a sort of some of my mm. go-to underrated Queen hit. I, this song is so good. Yeah. The, the subject matter is quite sort of generic, but it's, it's just got a little bit of everything. And it's a, it feels like a single when you're listening to it. And a bit like yeah. Spread Your Wings feels like a single. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Brian Solo is just one of the definitive, concise Brian May guitar solos. It's superb in, its, in, it, in the amount it does in its brevity. And the more I think about Brian, the more I think his best skill is being able to sort of sum up a counter melody in a very very short time and i i love this track to bits oh mate it tops top loader it you know it is quite a top loadery track come on i don't mean that they would like it to be wouldn't they it's that kind of track even though dancing in the moonlight is a cover yes 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 we know this yes they don't but we do but yeah it's got that vibe to it <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, exactly what you said, John. I, I yeah, this is the first. This is one of the first tracks where I just go, listen to this. Dragon attacks another one actually. But, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, no, there's a few. But of course, there's a few where you just go, no, check this out. Um, but you and I, for me, you know, you said this about Millionaire's Waltz, uh, Suze. But this, for me, if this had been released as a single, ah. Oh, it would have been huge, surely. I mean, it's mm. such a good pop record. All four of them are just in total harmony. The lyrics are beautiful. The sound of the song is beautiful. The orchestration's incredible. John's bass playing on this song is so lovely. That I played that mm. section purely because I'm so in love with that bit when the bass comes in like, you know, and then you know Rogers sort of smashing back in with the drums. He's having a great time, isn't he? Yeah. He's rocking in the moonlight. They all are. It's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful song. The Fre- the Freddie's vocal where he's uh, that we just played there, where I won't try and impersonate it, but it's <laughs> it it sounds so much like it's off somebody to love that it makes right. perfect yeah. oh, sense like, that they're next to each yeah. other. Where he goes right, can that bit? It's mm. almost the yeah. same note. Yeah. Yeah. There's so oh, much great. vim in the song as well. Yes. So much energy in it and joy. There's not a song on this side that couldn't have been a single. That's true. That's no. true. They all could have been a single. That's true. And I think that's true of most Queen albums. Not all of them, but a lot of the Queen albums where you're like... Mm, I don't you know think Long Away could have been a single. Do you know what? No. Long Away was a single. Oh. <laughs> I don't think Long Away should have been a single. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you and I, I think, I'm like, I mean, that's his what? That's his third song that he's contributed. Yeah. To and I, it's, and it's, it's only two than, years. Yeah. 
it's t- two years since Misfire, and this is like you can hear it's by the same person, but it's like Misfire went to uni or something and <laughs> had a few new experiences yeah. and yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, after it's, yeah. it's so after confident. it's a year out in um, <laughs> you're my best friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're my best friend, Istan. Um, yeah, and they helped I, in I, a village. I feel it's like one of my all-time favourite Queen songs. You and I, like that's how much song. esteem I hold it in. I absolutely adore it. I've been so excited to get to it, uh, and now I'm here. It feels I don't like know what such a team it. effort. Yeah. It feels like a. It doesn't feel like one person. Uh, I mean, that goes for so much a Queen, but it really sounds like all four members had an input on this song mm. that John brought them. Mm. Um, it's really cool. And John has an ear for that sort of that pop sound, that commercial sound, which mm. is never compromised by Queen because Mm-mm. they're such consummate musicians. They always bring mm. so much skill and quality and cleverness to the way they put songs together. John was saying this at the beginning of the episode. Um and yet the, the overall sound is, is so accessible and so so joyful and brilliant. And yeah, I, I would say to any of you casual fans out there, please listen to all of you and I. And you will have it in your normal day-to-day playlist, I promise you. Uh, just listening through to it once, you'll have it. And you'll be so happy when you're driving along and it comes up. And <laughs> um, yeah, and play it to all your loved ones because it makes you feel amazing. It's an amazing song. I don't want to be too damning but long away didn't chart anywhere <gasps> no it didn't but it was released as a single in the u.s why yes, didn't it, it chart anywhere because it was only released in the u.s and it didn't really make much of u.s ca- were... canada and new zealand but that's that's not unique in uh queen in that but the thing is no. wikipedia if you look it doesn't give every single territory Country. Yeah. right right uh, but I think you and I should have been an A-side, not a B-side. And I think it would have been a super smash hit. So I like hearing um, how much more adventurous John's getting with his songwriting. Because that stuff, the sort of pre-chorus, that swirling um, sort of otherworldly harmony, he probably wouldn't have attempted that on Sheer Heart Attack, but he's going for it now. If it was released today, it would definitely be in an advert with young people having a great time with a new mobile phone. <laughs> and they'd be going from different rooms, but every time it goes to a different room, it's two new teenagers. <laughs> with fairy lights and those um, sort of uh, fire lanterns that float off that should be illegal <laughs> yeah. and may, might be now. Yeah. <laughs> and They're animated. Be involved, wouldn't they? The yeah, aubergine emoji face. would go... Yes, yes. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to the end of this side of the album. Uh, on the next uh, episode, we'll be looking at side B, which has got somebody to love. White man, good old-fashioned lover boy. Drowse and Teo Toriati, let us cling together. But it is now time for the Queen de la Queen. Uh-oh. Made in heaven. Made in heaven. Now. I have a feeling I know which way this is going to go, but I'm going to ask the question. I can tell because none of you look stressed at all. You look supremely (laughs) confident in what you're going to say, even Simon. But Suze, what are you going for on the side of the album? I'm picking the Millionaire Waltz. Yeah, thought you might. I couldn't be swayed. I understand that. Uh, Simon. 
I think pretty much every single on this could be, or every track on this, I mean, could be in our Queen of Queen. I reckon we're going to all pick something different, okay. potentially, because I'm going to go with, predictably, You Take My Breath Away. Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sorry, I, I cannot ignore that riff. <laughs> it's too big. Too big. It's too it's too good a song. It's so it's time other down without a shadow of doubt. Oh. Uh, and I, of course, I'm saying you and I. Wow. Wow. So, so all for four the first time in Queen Pod history, we have a four way tie. <laughs> uh, and I have the deciding vote. Uh, well, actually, no. What happens in that situation? Oh. By default, the one that didn't get picked goes through. So that's long away. <laughs> <laughs> I'd live with that. I think we should email I Brian. No, no, go email on. Brian and see what he chooses. You have the you have the deciding vote, th- Rome. So everything in my bones is screaming for you and I, and the fact that John was close to you and I as well kind of helps. And I want you and I to be in that playlist so much, but I, I'm trying to take a step back and just think, what is that playlist meant to be? What is it supposed to say? Um, and I think the right track to put in that playlist is Tie Your Mother Down. Ah. Do you know why <laughs> you've made is. the right decision, Ro? <laughs> because, because I agreed with you? <laughs> no, not just because of that. There are going to be lots of opportunities for songs like you and I to go on that list. There are going to be very few opportunities for a song as big as yeah. Time Mother Down to go on yeah. that list, I think. Yeah, I've, I've been really regretting that Love of My Life didn't make that list on side B of Night of the Opera. I feel like it belongs, and I, could, I couldn't do that again. Tie Your Mother Down is that status. Um, yeah of song really and it it should be yeah it should be noted for that it would be conspicuous in its absence yes if it wasn't (laughs) but i'd have to say i came into this episode going i will override everyone to get you and i into that list (laughs) Uh, and if all three of you had voted for millionaire's waltz which was my fear then uh, i would have overrid all three of you and gone but (laughs) but, uh, no john you are right yeah tie your mother down does have to be in the Queen de la Queen. What an amazing mm. Queen de la Queen we've had. That was a good one. I loved it. Yeah. Bravo. Fantastic. Well, that was a good album. First half <laughs> of cracking. <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> really it is a good, good. album. We're yeah. only halfway through it. Amazing. Imagine got what's coming whole, next. Half album. So there you have it. Please email us with your stories and questions. Queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. And you can comment at the Queen Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We love hearing from you. It is always lovely to hear from you. Uh, we have got a Patreon set up now. Please go along and check that out. I've got a f- just a few final thank yous to some beautiful uh, Bohemians and champions out there. So it's my turn to thank some of our Patreon supporters. So I'd like to thank uh, Lynette, Alexandra Newhouse, Sarah Chapman, Angie Whitworth, Sarah O'Hare, Erin Henderson, Ben Howland. Sydney Wilcock, Charlotte Kelly, John Rutherford and Richard Kirkwood. Thank you to all of you. But also, uh, if that isn't something that takes your fancy, you can please take the time to give us a star rating on your podcast platform, even give us a little review. It's so encouraging and it will help us uh, keep going. Above all, we need to spread the word on this. So if you love the podcast, the chances are other Queen fans will love, uh, love this podcast too. Can someone please tell Japan? Just tell Japan that we're here. That would be so good. It would be really useful. Um, that would be great. Um, and do you know what? I always find a little bit of wisdom in these songs. So I'm just going to say until next time, take heart, my friends. We love you. 
though it seems like you're alone, a million lights above you smile down upon your home. So thank you to Sue, Simon, John and producer Giles. Goodbye. Bye. This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production, edited and produced by me, Fergus March. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. 